friend, welcome to Brilliant Business Moms, a podcast all about helping brilliant women just like you to build a business on the side while spending time with their families. I'm your host, Beth Ann Schwamberger, and we're going to have a great time together. Let's get started. So today on the show, I'm so excited to welcome Maggie Lord. She's the founder of RusticWeddingChic.com. She has millions of people who read her site every single month, and it's the number one online resource for rustic and country weddings. Maggie also has two little kids with a third on the way. Congratulations, Maggie. Thank you. You're welcome. And she calls herself a naptime entrepreneur, which I know all of you listening to this podcast can totally relate to that. So, so excited to have you. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. So Maggie, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you got started with Rustic Wedding Chic and how you've turned it into such a huge authority site in your niche. So, you know, it comes from a very organic place because my husband and I, um, now nine years ago, were planning our own wedding and we, we live in Connecticut, but we were planning to have it in a very small Northern Wisconsin town where my family has had a summer house for 65 years. And I kept really struggling to be able to translate what I had in my mind to the ideas to the vendors and to the caterer and to, you know, everyone who was involved in the wedding. Cause I kept saying, well, I really want a rustic yet very chic, elegant wedding. And people go, Oh, that sounds great. What does that mean? And since it was nine you know years ago that we were planning, there was no Pinterest and there was no Instagram. There was no quick way to kind of share those images that I was finding. I was still pulling images out of magazines and kind of collecting all of them. And I would kind of either, you know, send it to the photographer or the florist or whatever. And I was like, this is really crazy because if I'm looking for all of this sort of inspiration, I'm sure other brides are too. So I thought, you know, I bet I could start a blog and it was very easy back then. There was a million, you know, different blog formats and it really started as something that I felt I could help other brides with. And I, somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought well, this would be a really great profession. It would be a wonderful career and company to start, but I wasn't sure how to do that. And so I just enjoyed the wedding planning process and sort of put all my thoughts down as I went about things that I struggled with and where I was finding inspiration, where I wasn't finding inspiration, how you could have a rustic chic wedding. And pretty soon after my wedding, I really started to put all the ideas together in a blog format. And shortly after that, Rustic Wedding Chic was born. Awesome. So I know your site is largely built around curated content. So, you know, you're taking the best rustic weddings from all over the place and featuring them on your site, featuring these fabulous ideas. Is that how it initially started as well? I had this idea that if I could kind of share these beautiful pictures with for brides that were planning their wedding from other brides or other photographers, then they would have an opportunity to kind of take these ideas and translate them to their own wedding. And so it started out that I was reaching out to photographers saying, do you have any of these like weddings where they're either country or rustic or vintage? And, and if so, could you send me some of the pictures and I'll do a little write up about it and I'll link to you. And that's kind of how it was in the early days. And there wasn't too, too many wedding blogs. I think there was probably three at the time. I followed Style Me Pretty, The Knot, Martha Stewart Weddings. And so I was like, I think I can do this because 
Shortly after that, I got a lot of response from photographers saying, yeah, I have these real weddings. Like that wasn't even a term that people used yet. And they said, I have these real weddings that are beautiful and I'd be happy to share the images with you. And it would have everything from the florist to the venue to the dress designer. And that's what people were looking for. They were looking for how they could get real information about these beautiful weddings that then they could use for themselves. Oh, that's such a great point. So then, you know, over time, now someone from anywhere in the U.S. can find the right florist for them or the right cake decorator for them or whatever the case is. Exactly. I mean, we started having to reach out to photographers, you know, now eight years ago, probably to get images. And now we get hundreds of submissions a month from photographers for their real weddings. And we kind of feel we pick the best of the best that speak to all of our different readers. And we quickly learned that the word rustic was an umbrella term. And it took into account everything from super rustic on a lake, which was the type of wedding I was planning to more of a country or farm, or even beach or vintage look. And so it was a way to really help these other brides be able to get inspiration. And shortly after we launched Rustic Wedding Chic, about two or three years later, we launched rusticweddingguide.com, which is a way to connect brides and couples with vendors and venues because I was fielding hundreds of emails saying, do you know a a barn in Michigan where I can get married? And I'd be like, I live in Connecticut. I know what's here. No, I don't. I was like, that's crazy. There's no there's no online space that just caters to this sort of look where you can find the vendors to help your your wedding come true. Oh, that's so smart, Maggie. So with Rustic Wedding Guide, did you have to purchase, I guess, like expensive software to turn it into a directory type of site? Or how did you go about that? Yeah, that was a different challenge for me because I was very comfortable in the blog format where I could upload my pictures and, you know, write about it. And I kind of had that down to a science. And we had to kind of start small and keep building on it. And we were having requests from both sides from vendors who were like, how can we get listed on your site to bride saying, is there a place on your, you know, your site where we can just look up all the different, you know, venues in Texas or whatever. We're a really small team here at Rustic Wedding Cheek. And so I had to kind of pull everybody together and say, okay, what do we want it to look like? How can we do this? And we started small and we, we got it built for us with kind of, knowing that we would continue to build it and make it bigger as it went. And now it's become, you know, a place where there's like over 5,000 different vendors listed. Wow. Okay. So I'm curious, Maggie, you have the blog, you've got the guide. I know you've also published several books around this topic as well. I'd love to hear more about how you've monetized your platforms and kind of the breakdown of where your revenue is coming from in your business. Yeah, definitely has changed. You know, it was really early on. I asked for help from my older brother, who's a president of an internet company. And I just said, look, I know this is a good idea. And I'm, I'm getting readers and, you know, kind of followers on some of the early social media platforms. But how do I make this a business? Like, thing, it wasn't so cut and dry nine years ago the way it is now, where people know exactly how they want to monetize their site. And so we we tested a couple of different, you know, ideas. But it really came down to advertising, but two different types of advertising, being able to to work with smaller venues because we didn't want to price out people who were Etsy vendors or a small, you know, vendor who wanted to advertise with us and buy space on on the the wedding blog. 
we worked with them to kind of have a direct sales model there. And then we also worked with Google to work on our Google ads to be able to have AdSense and those sort of things run for us. And then as the blog format grew and our influence grew through social media and in the wedding world, we were able to kind of work with bigger companies on things for sponsored posts or working with them on an Instagram campaign or something like that. And so it has, the company has lots of different ways that we kind of put all the money together. There's no one way that I say every year, this is exactly how we get the most of our money because it's a changing landscape out there for bloggers. Just when you think, oh, this is, you know, advertising is the only way to go, then something else comes up. Like we've seen now sponsored posts become a huge thing or you know, even like sponsored Instagram images in buying social media packages with people. It's it's all become a different sort of game. And when I got my initial book deal, I had no idea how the publishing world worked. And so I invested with a good publishing attorney out of Manhattan because I live only about 50 minutes from Manhattan. And I, I knew that I had to figure out how to publish a book with a major publisher, but that, you know, to make it work for me because it was going to take a lot large chunk of my time to write the book to get all of the images from all the different photographers and everything. So we we kind of have this this pie of all these different ways that we're able to monetize the site, but it's not just one way that we can say year to year it's going to we know this is how it's going to work. Right. Okay, that makes a lot of sense and I think that's really smart <laughs> to have multiple revenue streams going on. So I'm curious, do you have any advice for a blogger who's starting to build a platform? She's got, you know, a a very topic specific blog. How would that blogger go about securing sponsored post opportunities and kind of creating a package that a company would would find attractive? That's a great question. And I think one thing is people have to be really cautious of like the niche that they're in. I felt very comfortable being in the rustic country sort of wedding space because A, it came from a very organic place. I planned my own wedding that way. So I think people could tell that I was passionate about it, that I was going to be true to that topic. And once you have been able to kind of find a niche, you need to be able to kind of dominate that niche, right? Spend a lot of time and effort looking at do you have competitors? Who are those competitors? How can you have the best site and be true to your brand always? You know, be brand conscious. Even if you're not a huge, well-known brand yet, you have to think of your company as a brand. And so I think when people decide to kind of go out and try to work with bigger sponsors or try to locate sponsors for, you know, their blog or whatever their kind of platform is going to be, they have to be really confident in who they are and they have to know who they are as a brand, who they speak to, because it's very difficult for companies, even companies with deep pockets to part with their money. They, they really have to be careful who they're going to be spending their money with, where are those, you know, ad dollars going and things like that. And, and they're conscious of that. And so they, they really want to make sure that if they're going to give you X amount of dollars, it's going to be worth their effort. And so if you can put together a small package that explains who you are, why they should be working with you, who your readership or your following is, and what you can do for them, you know, and a lot of times it's as simple as saying, you know, I am the expert in this world because dot, 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 and whatever the reason. That's great advice, Maggie. And I think 
that's so true that, you know, brands like they've got a, a million options really when it comes to spending their their advertising dollars. And so they want to pick that blog that's the perfect fit. So again, any way a blogger can distinguish themselves and be an authority in whatever their niche is, is obviously a huge win. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. So Maggie, with all of these different revenue streams you have on your sites, you've got regular advertising, you've got sponsored posts, you've worked with publishers, all these different things going on. And I know you said you have a small team. I would love to hear a little bit more about who's on your team and what are their different roles because, you know, your site is so busy. I'm just trying to imagine the logistics of all of the features and all of the different things going on and and how you make that work. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. When I started, it was just me and that was good enough because all I needed to do was create the content every day for the blog and be able to publish it to social media. And little by little, we were, you know, really gaining great readership. And then as we kind of exploded when the social scene exploded as far as things like Pinterest, like we were very early on into the Pinterest world. And so we gained lots of readers that way. And as we grew, I knew that we had to grow as a company because otherwise we would be limiting our potential and our opportunities. And so when we decided to develop the guide, the Rustic Wedding Guide, I needed somebody who was going to just handle that because I am up to my ears in doing all of the content that you see on Rustic Wedding Chic. And so I needed someone who was going to be dedicated just to that, who was going to make sure that every submission that we get is because it's a curated list. And so we want to make sure that the vendors on it really do are going to speak to the brides and the couples who are looking at the Rustic Wedding Guide. So I needed someone who was going to go through it every day, go through all the submissions, decide if they were right for the for the guide, and then handle all of the the guide. We have members who pay a fee to be listed in a special section. They're listed in multiple states. They stay higher on the page. And that's nothing new to anybody who's been on any sort of kind of wedding vendor or venue listing. And we call them showcase listings. And we got lots of requests early on. How can I stay at the top of the page? I, you know, I want to be listed in a multiple states, things like that. I want to have my social buttons on it. And so I knew I had to have somebody whose job was just to look at that. And so I was able to to hire someone who who just dedicated their time to that. And that way I knew the guide was getting the attention that it needed and it was taking care of our advertisers on that side of things. And then a couple years ago, my husband left the job that he had been at for a long time because Rustic Wedding Chic had been, you know, taking off for a while. And I said, you know, I really could use somebody who would help me with our advertising just on the blog because I get so many emails a day asking for our media kit, asking for my prices if I would do social posts for them, you know, whatever. There's a million different things. Come into their store and just review their wedding dresses. You know, there's so many different requests. And I said, I can't handle all of it because there's a lot of back and forth that goes, you know, into those sort of things. And I was dealing with small companies, major companies, you know, household brands. And I do all the content on Rustic Wedding Chic and then I make all the media appearances. And I was like, I just don't have time to do that. And so luckily my husband was like, yes, I will take Take that role on for the company, which was my my hope all along. And so he's been able to take that on and handles all of the advertising, which is extremely helpful. And then we work with a bunch of other freelancers across the country from California all the way up to New York here. And 
We have photographers who work for us who will do styled shoots for us or work with us when when we do a campaign like we've worked with Keurig. And so we created a, a styled shoot all based around Keurig. And so we worked with one of our freelancers on creating the perfect sort of wedding coffee bar area. And we have a couple of freelance writers that we work with. So we have some full-time and some other contract employees. Okay. That is so interesting hearing the breakdown and, and how that all works and I just I love the way you've you've grown your business. That's really smart. So when it comes to your sponsored post, Maggie, it sounds like sometimes rather than you being the person who gets the products in the mail and has to style the shoot and do all that yourself, you're able to use those freelancers and partner with them to create that incredible content. Yes, it definitely works in two different ways. Sometimes I'll work with a company that says we definitely want Maggie to kind of put her personal stamp on this and, you know, either set up a styled shoot or we want her to review it or her to take a picture with it. And I like I like that. I like being really hands on with all of the content. Other times they'll say, you know, we really like to do a sponsored post. We'll send you our product and you just create a beautiful, you know, images and I'll talk with the company and see what their vision is and we'll figure out something that that works for both of us. And I'll work with one of our freelancers to put together a perfect, you know, the images that we'll be able to use in the sponsored post, because I always, you know, want our readers to know that we don't just want to work with any company. We want to showcase companies that we know our readers are going to enjoy, that they're going to get something out of, or that they're, we feel they're really going to like the product. Mm, That makes sense. So Maggie, I know that you hopped on Pinterest very early when the site got started and you have a following of over 161,000 Pinterest followers now. So I would love to hear how you got started on Pinterest and the main ways that you've grown that Pinterest following. Yeah, it was really early on. Someone had turned me on to it and it was still by invitation only because they were kind of doing a small rollout. And so someone said like, this is really cool. It was just more for like a personal use. Like there wasn't, she wasn't even talking about weddings. And, and so she was like, I think, you know, you would really like this. You'd find it really cool. There's a lot of like home style stuff. And so she sent me an invite and I started looking at it and I was like, you know what? This is really interesting. I bet we could share all of our beautiful weddings in just this other platform here. And so we signed up as a company and they didn't even have a business like sort of side yet. It was really like I had to sign up as like a person with the name like Rustic Wedding, you know, my first name, Rustic, last name, Wedding. And then eventually as Pinterest grew, they were able to say like, are you a business? Yes, go over to like, you know, the business sort of Pinterest boards. But we grew them very quickly and very early on because we saw the value in Pinterest and that people could look for hundreds of images that, you know, at one time. Now, I when we started, there real there was not that many people on Pinterest. There wasn't a lot of competition. Nowadays, like it pains me. I go on and I see that someone has just stolen our image and put it on their website. And it drives me crazy because it links to them and the photographer isn't getting the credit because we have the rights with every photographer that we work with. We have the exclusive rights to run those wedding photos on Rustic Wedding Chic with proper credit, you know. And it drives me crazy that I go, oh, that's one of my favorite pictures and this person just, you know, grabbed it and dragged it onto their site. But there, you know, so there are drawbacks to it as well. But we started 
putting out all of our images on Pinterest and then connecting with other companies and other people. And we saw our following grow super fast and super early in the whole Pinterest process. And now I think if you typed in rustic weddings to Pinterest, you'd probably get hundreds and hundreds of thousands of images where in the beginning, if you typed in rustic wedding, we were the only images that that showed up. Hmm. So I'd love to hear if you're using any specific tools. Like, do you use Tailwind or Board Booster or any sort of schedulers to keep your content just constantly circulating? I have tried them all. I swear, I have signed up for all of them. I have paid for all of them. And there are some that I really, really like. And there are some that I find frustrating. I do have, is it Tailwind? Is that, and I wasn't a fan of the fact that I started like that my things were being scheduled until like July. And I was like, well, I want, I like to schedule things now. So I, I have, I have done several things. I've worked with a company that, you know, was a kind of a bulk uploader for Pinterest. But then I started to see that my Pinterest things weren't performing the way that they did when I pinned them just organically from the blog, just clicking on, you know, the pin it button on each image on Rustic Wedding Chic. And so I've gone back and forth whether it's worth it to use it, you know, a third party service. Cause I know Pinterest is hip to the idea, right? That companies can just totally blast out hundreds of email uh, or hundreds of images at one time if they want to on Pinterest. And I don't think that's how they really see it being used. So I do go back and forth, but most of the time nowadays, I take the time every day to pin the images and then go back and look at what's been performing well and repin old images that have kind of sunk way down low in Pinterest and try to bring them back because the bride who liked it three years ago is not a bride anymore. And so it needs to have that new bride needs to see it. And, you know, so we're constantly re reusing, repinning our images so that it gets a new audience. But to be honest, I have paid for all of them. And I really still feel like pinning it individually, you get the best success from. And I do use the Pinterest analytics, which For a long time, they didn't have analytics, but it does really help to see how many people you're reaching, what are your most popular pins. And at one point, I was working with a social media expert to kind of just go through our social media, see where we could grow, things like this a couple years ago. And she said to me, have you ever noticed that you have a pin view rate of 4 million a month? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And she goes, oh, yes, you know, it's kind of a insider's term. A pin view rate means that your pins are seen and acted, interacted with 4 million times a month. And I said, really? And she's like, that's one of the highest we've ever seen. And I said, well, if you're a bride and you're on Pinterest, you're pretty dedicated to pinning things to your board. Like they're kind of a an obsessed audience, you might say. So I do find the value now in going to Pinterest and looking at the analytics and seeing what's performing, why. And and it does help to kind of look at trends and things like that. Okay, gotcha. So I would love to hear, Maggie, if you don't mind sharing, what are a few of your most popular pins that just constantly drive traffic back to your site? Yeah, so we have some that I'm just floored that when I look at them, I go like, it's been pinned 145,000 times. Like that's craziness to me. Some are very simple images that now I will see them on Pinterest that other people have taken them as well and, you know, put them on their site and redirect the link to them. But some are very simple and it's just a rustic wedding centerpiece that seemed to really hit hit it with everybody. And it was just like mason jars. But the ones that continuously do well are, are pins that 
people feel they're only going to get the information from us. And so we've kind of created a graphic pin and either it's a beautiful image from, from one of the real weddings. And it says like, this wedding was planned for under $10,000. See how they did it. And that sets it apart in Pinterest from just another pretty wedding image because people are looking for that information. And if on Pinterest, they can feel like, okay, I can pin any pretty image out there. But if I really want to go to the site where I feel like I can get information, you know, and so we have a couple of pins that say things like, you know, how to have the best unique guest book or how to have a wedding under $10,000. We have one that was like a rustic wedding sign that was made on pallets, which was like a really big trend for a while. And that one I think had like over 400,000 repins. And that makes sense, Maggie, because, you know, again, you're not just sharing pretty images, you're giving practical advice, you're showing people exactly how to do these things. And so that's really smart. Yeah, and I think like, you know, the whole we have a section about, you know, DIY, and it's, it's not a huge part of Rustic Wedding Chic, but we do share some tutorials on DIY wedding things. And those have always performed really well on Pinterest too, because again, people feel like they can pin a pretty bouquet from any wedding site, but they have to repin or they have to visit the site that says like how to get this look or how to do this project because they feel like they're only going to get that from you. Mm, Very true. So I know, Maggie, you said your your favorite strategy on Pinterest is just, you know, pinning right from your site, pinning that new content as you're publishing it. I would love to know how many pins are you sharing on a given day to your account? Okay, so we produce couple new features a day. So the real weddings usually have between like 12 and 24 images. So those will all be pinned each day. And then I do spend time going back to some of our more popular posts or if it's a seasonal post. So as we're going into like summer soon, you know, I'll be looking at some of our really popular posts on the blog about, you know, 25 beautiful summer wedding ideas or the best seating for your wedding. If you're having an outdoor wedding, something that's more seasonal seasonal and paying attention to that and going back and pinning. So I'm probably pinning anywhere from 50 to 100 images a day. And then I'm I'm constantly checking my Pinterest analytics to see what is popular kind of right now. It, it, It can always show you like in the last 30 days, the pins that have the most impressions that have been saved the most that have the click throughs. And that kind of helps me know like what the other people in Pinterest on the other side of their computers, you know, like what are they into right now? Because that tells you a lot about what sort of content you should be pinning from your site. Right. And just wanted to clarify here because I know a lot of a lot of bloggers or any type of business owner who's using Pinterest, myself included, I'm curating not just content from my site, but other related sites as well. But in your case, because you have so much content with your brand, are you pretty much just able to fill out a gorgeous Pinterest profile and only have it be your content? You know, I would say that probably 90% of what we have is just rustic wedding chic images because now we have nine years of beautiful images. 
which is crazy. We do feel very strongly, you know, like share the love. There's a lot of great images out there. There's a lot of great companies that are producing products that we know our readers, our viewers, our Pinterest followers would like to see, you know, so we do try to make sure that we repin from other people that we really feel that, you know, our, our readers should know about. But we have like over 60,000 pins on Pinterest and, you know, I'd say 90% of them are all from Rustic Wedding Chic. Wow. And that that makes total sense. I mean, you're curating the best of the best on your site all the time. So that's incredible. Okay, so Maggie, I know you have grown your Pinterest following and traffic to this huge number. And it sounds like most of it is just organically. But I'm curious, have you ever done promoted pins or had any experience with that? I did when I was really excited when promoted pins came out because I felt like it was a way for us to maybe reach out to new followers on Pinterest. And I have put money into some pins. I think, to be honest, I've always felt a little disappointed that they they didn't perform. I mean, they got a lot of repins, but I didn't feel like they translated to a lot of extra followers for us. And so I feel like the, the best way for us to get followers is just to keep creating and pinning beautiful content and then working with other companies to share content that we know like both readers or both followers, sets of followers would want to see. I think probably promoted pins is a fantastic way when you're starting or you want to grow your Pinterest account because you have to be seen by more people. And now with the amount of pins that are on Pinterest, it's getting harder and harder for your things to be seen by a good number of people. So there is a place for the promoted pins and I get it. And I I actually like it. I have a you know, a personal account through Pinterest. And I, I like getting the ones that say, you know, either are promoted because based on what my history is in Pinterest, what I'm looking for, then, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, oh, that is the perfect paint color for my kitchen. You know, like, I'm happy that that was that that was a promoted pin. So I see it as a good thing. And I think it's probably working well for companies. I just think you have to be selective and you can't just throw up any image and expect to get results from it. Right. That makes sense. Well, Maggie, it has been so much fun talking with you today. I've learned a ton and I know my listeners are going to be so excited to get all of your your tips and your advice and learn from your experience. As we wrap up today, I love to ask every mom that I interview this question. Do you have either a funny or an adorable mom moment that you can share with us? Oh, I have I have a lot that are funny and adorable and I have a lot that are crazy and cringeworthy. <laughs> As you mentioned before, like I, I had dubbed myself the naptime entrepreneur and written several articles on that topic about being a mom. I have two boys. I'm about to have a third boy. You know, things are pretty crazy around here. We don't have a full-time nanny. So it's always like one side is business, one side is family time. But, you know, I have many times signed an email that my name is spelled incorrectly thanks to the fact that like my two-year-old grabbed my phone from my hand. I sent like a very prominent magazine, a very misspelled and hastily put together email because I was like, I'll just save it in my drafts and I will totally look at it when I get home because we were like at the park when I was drafting the email. And of course I got home and I was like, oh yeah, I have to send that email, send. And I was like, oh my gosh, they think I'm an idiot because I was trying to multitask, you know, and that's that was kind of the tipping point. That's when I was like, this is it. I'm not doing both at the same time. And that's when kind of the nap time entrepreneur was like, I'm going to work when my kids nap. Now my oldest one is in kindergarten. So that's been like a game changer for us that he's at school all day. But it is anybody who's 
going to have a family and do a business or just do something, have a creative outlet that they want to share in some way. It is, it is never easy because you're pulled in a million different directions. So I always say you have to kind of find the balance and find what works for you. And what works for me is that when my kids are asleep, I do the bulk of my work. And when they're awake, I try to be, you know, CEO of mommyhood. And when they're either at preschool or napping or they go to sleep at night, then I'm CEO of Rustic Wedding Cheek. I love that. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Maggie. And can you just remind everyone one more time, where's the best place for them to find you and your brand online? So they should definitely go to rusticweddingchic.com. And of course, they can find us on Pinterest and Facebook and Instagram all at Rustic Wedding Chic. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And of course, now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant. 